Hello, wonderful people. Thank you for joining us for this week's Women's Empowerment Power Hour with Dr. Jennifer. I am Dr. Jennifer, and I so appreciate you joining us. I know that you have lots of different things that you could listen to, and I appreciate that you have chosen to join us for today's conversation. If you're joining us for the first time, you have picked a wonderful episode to get started following the Women's Empowerment Power Hour with Dr. Jennifer. Our discussion today is such a powerhouse of information and enlightenment. It's truly a mastermind class in your soul quest and endeavoring to live in joy every day. I took notes for myself throughout the interview, even knowing I would have it on tape just because it's so powerful. I wanted to soak up every moment. So thank you for joining and stay tuned for my amazing conversation with Charlie Palumbo. Welcome to Women's Empowerment Power Hour Charlie, I so appreciate you joining us. Would you mind taking a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you, uh, Jennifer, for having me today. So a little bit about me is that I'm a life coach, I'm a facilitator, consultant, uh, author, Navy veteran, speaker, and entrepreneur. So I have a lot of different hats I wear. It keeps it uh, lively. I love to hike and watch sunsets and sunrises. I, I often um, refer to myself as a sunset chaser. I have two wild and amazing boys and two incredibly lovely fur babies and a supportive husband who is also a military veteran. And I believe personally that we need to spread more joy in the world. And that's kind of my mission. Since I left my corporate role, I decided I really needed to discover all the parts of me and all the diverse roles and responsibilities I've had and how they kind of all thread into the fabric of who I am now. And I also recognized I was human. <laughs> and for a long time, I had looked at myself as defective or broken. But this realization came to me that I was a whole human in search of a higher truth and quite frankly, in need of some joy in my own life. And I really realized that I needed to develop compassion, gratitude, some self-trust and deeper listening to my own inner guidance. And to do that in the last couple of years, I've really turned to saying yes in my life. And I realized that as you say yes more, there is power to change your life. I love to quote Wayne Dyer, um, and saying that change the way you see things and the things you see will change. A yes really has brought new approaches and points of attraction into my life. I tell people that I'm a recovering codependent work addict, high achiever and perfectionist. And until I found myself in a fetal position, crying on the floor over birth certificates, I didn't realize I was burned out. And mm -hmm. that happened about a year and a half ago. Um, my typical mentality is suck it up, scrappy. And it really got me to this really successful point in my life. 
but it also led me to feeling very dried up like a, a sponge. <laughs> no better metaphor than a dried up sponge for how uh-huh. I was feeling. At some point, though, I had to stop blaming others and stuffing my own emotions down and take ownership and responsibility for where I was. And so I knew I needed to tap into new source, new inspiration, new ways, but I didn't really know how. And that sent me on a two-year soul-searching journey. And I started really saying yes to things that were uncomfortable, like a spiritual practice, and even started pursuing um, my doctorate in philosophy for holistic life coaching. Um, And I just recently received my bachelor's in metaphysics from the Institute of Metaphysics. Oh, wow. The path continued pointing me um, more to my purpose. And I began realizing that my purpose wasn't outside of me. (laughs) Somebody else didn't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't somewhere out there. It was within. And that's when I really turned in and started listening to my, what I call GPS or inner guidance system and the wisdom, which I call my own soul solutions. And these are really the inspired actions, treasures, and synchronicities that are in my life and show up. And my biggest awakening during this process is that I was chasing joy in all the wrong places. And until this point, I was seeking some external discovery of joy, like a snapshot of my success or this perfect marriage, certain income. I was placing bets on everything but myself. And so as I began to explore creativity and spirituality and doing all this coaching, which is very self-reflective when you start coaching others, um, it started affecting all areas of my life. And I became aware that self-love was non-negotiable as I searched this kind of what I call new terrain of my soul. And I really started to become a new type of leader, a wife, mother, friend, writer, creator, Um, And I really would say at at the heart of it, I became more compassionate and I started to pursue myself (laughs) because I really do believe that I have a message to share, but I believe everybody has a message to share. And all this experience has taught me what it means to be courageous, to show up for myself, take risks. And it also has taught me how to um, be in joy. And I had to be a little lost before I could be found. (laughs) And there were definitely dark nights of the soul and scary moments that were super uncomfortable. And I know a lot of people may be in those places at this very moment. And um, as a coach and facilitator, that's the moments that I love to be there for other people. And, you know, this path that I've traveled really had no roadmap. Nobody's soul quest really does. And it's very individual. But I did really discover some amazing tools along the way that have just reshaped my life and helped me create a more joyful life every day. I think all of us are artists. And um, that's a belief that I hold and that we can unfold gracefully into our masterpiece. And you really do have the choice to live like that. Uh, I love working with clients daily through coaching, webinars, workshops, and group programs. And I feel if I can walk along 
side one person on and bring them a little joy in their life through my own story that I'm living, fulfilling my mission to spread more joy. Wow. You can't see because this is just audio. This is radio. But I have just rolled up my sleeves because there is so much there to unpack and so powerful. So thank you for that. I think that what you have just described has probably been kind of an important gut punch to a lot of people that are have not viewed that they are in the moment where they're in the fetal position. And I think that maybe just describing your experience, it, it might help open some eyes because, you know, we need to remove the scales from our eyes. So, wow, let me just dig into this a little bit. You said that you were looking for joy in all the wrong places. And I think that this is so vital and I think it is so prevalent. Can you go a little bit more and say that you don't have to specific if you don't want to, but how you realized that you were looking for joy in the wrong places and then how you redirected? Yeah. So how I realized is, um, you know, I, I mentioned I've been on kind of a soul quest or you could call it a transformation or a, a deep change um, over the last couple of years. I, I think there's many of us that have maybe been feeling um, that there's something more in life over the last few years of as, as I've been talking to women, especially I've heard that time and time again. And during this time, I've been writing a lot, a lot of journaling and a lot of emotional healing work. I started writing a book and the first year of the soul quest was about two years ago for me. And I said that I wanted to write this book and that was going to be when my transformation was done. And that was going to be a year to the date of December, 2020. And so I put that out and I put the goal down and I, I got busy doing my soul kind of questing and writing about it. And in the process, a ton of stuff in life happened to include moving from Virginia to Arizona and quitting my corporate role, just a bunch of things. And I wrote all about it and I, I delivered that round of my book to the editor in December of 2021 to meet that goal. And a lot of my story was about codependency and trauma and all these things, right? And I pushed it out. It's also a self-narrative just to give context here. I pushed it out to her and her feedback was not negative at all when it came back, but it was a little bit like, hey, you have like several books here and a lot of trauma. And I was mm -hmm. like, ooh, maybe I'm not ready to share this with the world. Maybe my transformation isn't done. Maybe I don't get to tell the universe that my transformation only takes one year, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I really started digging deep. And I put it on hold for six months and then went back. And I actually just completed the book about three months ago. And it was through telling my story that I became very aware of a broader theme that I was looking for something outside of myself and I couldn't name it, but in the recent last 
few months, I was really able to see, like, look back and see that I was chasing joy. Like the things that I was looking for were to bring me ultimately happiness, to be in joy. Mm -hmm. And they weren't. (laughs) So the realization came when I saw my whole story kind of laid out. And it was super um, liberating for me to see the, the broader theme that has kind of run my story. And then for me, it's been deep spiritual work over the last year, a huge meditation practice, a lot of journaling, and a lot of sitting with the uncomfortability of realizing I was in burnout, realizing I hadn't taken care of my mental health, like all these things and staring them in the face and, and not, and not just getting distracted by other things, but really sticking with the process and then finding the clarity in it after I got on the other side of it, mm-hmm. which you only really get sometimes when you look back, right? Yeah. Like you're mm-hmm. in it, <laughs> it does not feel joyful. Exactly. I'm on the other side, I'm feeling really good. <laughs> so. Uh-huh. Wow. So again, so much unpacked. I really appreciate all that you're bringing. So for those people who are listening and they feel like they are aware that they are in the middle they're chasing happiness, but not feeling it. What advice would you give them to get to the other side so that they can look back and really fully be in the experience? Yeah. So it's easy for me to sit over here and say something. And then I'll, I'll caveat this by saying that my true belief is that everybody has a soul solution that's unique to them. And I have spent a lot of time in coaching webinars, self-development, and looking for somebody else to give me those answers, all to find that really it's going to come when I sit and listen to myself. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's hard to get started to listen to yourself, right? Because your mind can be so busy and there's no time. And like, I don't even know how to get started and I don't have good boundaries. And, you know, I'm just in this space and it feels like you're in a maze and you can't quite get past it. Or you can, you know, visualize the cloud and the rain and you can't get to the sun, but you know, like on the other side of that cloud, there is always the sun and the blue skies. And um, I think gratitude is what has helped me the most stay with it. Mm-hmm. And I, when I say that, it's like having an attitude of gratitude. But I listen to a, a woman who talks about rampaging. And it when I say rampage, like a positive rampage. <laughs> so uh-huh. like really just starting with everything you're grateful for and just letting that build its own momentum to kind of get you out of like a negative state or a state that doesn't feel so good. Uh Um, And that just takes courage and commitment. I think at the beginning, courage to, to show up for yourself. And I think I've gotten into even sometimes the habit of thinking courage is like some savior out there, some hero, but for a lot of people, courage, if you're depressed, let's say can just be getting up out of bed. Yes. Like that can take courage. Yep. So 
courage to just show up for yourself, however you are at this very point in your journey is like so important. Yeah. And I would say the commitment to stick with it. Uh, it, So you can use gratitude journal, you can use meditation, you have all these modalities that you can go and experience. But if you, you don't have the courage to start or the commitment to keep going through when it gets hard, um, then it's, you know, you kind of lose some momentum. And for me, as I did those two things, I really started connecting with being able to hear my voice more and more. And as my voice got clearer, my own internal guidance, and I wasn't listening to others, I started to trust myself. And as Mm -hmm. I started trust myself, (laughs) you know, it it changes the direction that you take in your life. Because I think for me, I had strayed really far from trusting my own voice because I really wasn't hearing it. I was hearing everything else. So really being able to quiet the mind through whatever practice, and I'm a big meditator. I do it every morning. Um, I also journal every morning. So however you find ways to come back to self, Mm -hmm. Um, that fits your soul, I think helps get us there with, but with gratitude at the, you know, gratitude at the center of it. Yeah. I want to go back and underline a word that you use, which is courage. And I think, I mean, there's so much in there that we could underline, but I want to highlight courage because I think it's so easy. We may have the intention may realize, you know, I'm just, I'm just going through the motions, you know, I'm get, just getting through every day the best I can. I'm just, it's all I can do to get food on the table for my kids, get them off to school on time. Or if you don't have kids, just get out of bed, whatever. But it really takes intention and courage to do the contemplative work to view yourself, to ask the questions, who am I and why am I here? What is my purpose? What is my mission? Or whatever terminology that you use for, you know, your soul quest as you used. There, there's so much noise just in life. And by that, it's, you know, going to work and paying bills and being on PTA or whatever it is, there's so much noise. Being intentional in having the courage to take a look at yourself, your life, how you're living, the decisions you're making. It's it's not a, an easy journey, right? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not. And it's one of those things, um, especially when you start questioning those big things, like, why am I here anyways? And what is what is life about? And and what is my real calling or mission here on Earth? You know, it's like yeah. all these big questions. And, you know, I, I heard a, a coach talk about this, uh, but he uses like Christopher Columbus, you know, when Christopher Columbus said it's the world's not flat. And for a while that Nobody could believe that. Right. And so just like that point, you are also going to start questioning beliefs and truths that you have held for a very long time. And that is uncomfortable. And it may 
be asked, you may have to ask yourself if this identity or this image needs to stay or does this go? And there can be a part in it that's grieving and because you're grieving a loss of an identity or a truth that you held or a belief system that no longer fits. And that's where the real work is, right? Is opening yourself and having a growth mindset to the point where some beliefs that maybe you grew up your whole life with, you're now uncovering, like, that's not what I believe. And, and how do I, how do I come to, to balance and harmony and be okay with that? (laughs) So I think that's where it takes a lot of courage too, especially when you get into the deeper and bigger questions that you kind of just alluded to. Uh huh. The other word that you use that I've underlined is trust, learning to trust yourself. Another aspect of this journey that I think is really difficult, and it seems, you know, it's just saying it, it seems like, well, I know myself. I've been myself my whole life. Why would I not be able to trust myself? But this is really critical. Can you go a little bit more into that? Yeah, I think so. One of the places that I really started thinking about this was probably two roles ago, I was in um, a leadership development training for directors and state government. And I did a um, the, mm-hmm. so I did a 360 and I put out, you know, the information to my stakeholders, to my team, to, you know, my bosses, every, all, all these people. And yeah, you know, I filled out the form and I was very, very aware. I felt as a leader myself and my, my, uh, you know, positives and the things that I could improve on and all that stuff. And when I got my 360 back, I pretty much was exactly where I thought I would be exactly what people said. I rated myself right there. The one place I did not was on trust. And it was so different. Like everybody had rated me so high and I was like at a one, like I just, and it was, it was so such a big gap and everything else was so like on target. And I was like, wow, I, I need to grapple with that. Like, what mm-hmm. is, what is the problem here? Like, what is the disconnect with myself and how I feel about myself and then how others are seeing me? And I realized that I'm really good at being like brave and getting out there and doing things. But internally, I have a, a really tough critic, especially when I make mistakes. And I am a queen ruminator. So I will just dig and dig and dig at myself and bring everything under the sun that I could possibly do wrong. And that erodes trust, right? Just like mm-hmm. a relationship outside of yourself. If you're constantly hating on somebody in a relationship, they're not going to trust you very well. If you, like say you make a mistake and you betray somebody or you don't show up for somebody in the way they thought you were going to, or any of those things, you lose trust and it does take longer to work back trust. And I I think sometimes we don't see our own internal dialogue in the same way. 
for a very long time, I was so hard on myself. So any mistake just eroded the trust. And I would just like belittle and berate and just very high achiever and high expectations and no room for failure. Um, And so I had to start seeing the small wins that I was making. um, And I had to start telling myself (laughs) that I was making good decisions. And I I had to start bringing real awareness to the fact that I do make a lot of good decisions and Mm -hmm. I have made a lot of good decisions, but wow, it's so easy to go to the bad decisions (laughs) that I made. Right. And like just stay there. Um, And it's letting go of the past. And really that I think comes from um, telling a new story and then recognizing I can't change the past anyway. So all it's doing is attaching me to suffering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of, I think it's something you build and cultivate over time. And I think you can lose it. And I think just like any relationship, you you have to, you know, gain it back. And, and those are small little bids towards yourself mm-hmm. uh, to regain that, that trust. This is so powerful. I hadn't ever considered it like that. And I just had the largest aha moment ever. So thank you for that. But you're so right. We, you know, especially as women, we are very hard on ourselves. We expect perfection from ourselves and viewing ourselves negatively, ruminating on things that we did wrong or or didn't go as we had hoped. It's easy to get trapped in that. It's easy to be, it's much easier to be negative than to be positive, especially when we're talking about ourselves, right? Yes. And and so getting into building muscle memory around negative self-talk, you know, I screwed that up. I can't believe I did it that like that. I can't believe I said that. Whatever it is, this negative that you ruminate on and repeat and repeat. And so important that what you said, if you had a a relationship with a person, a friendship, a, a professional relationship, whatever, and somebody you were having those feelings about someone externally, you would view that like that's a, not a healthy relationship. I need to distance myself from that person. And if you are having that those thoughts about yourself, essentially distancing yourself from yourself. I know this. Yeah. I, I don't know how to wrap my head around that. Yes. Yes. And having grace, like the yes. same grace you would have with a friend, having mm-hmm. grace for yourself. Yes. But yeah, if you can look at it in a metaphor of somebody, a relationship with somebody else and then bring it back to yourself. And I think uh-huh. you just summarized it beautifully because we do get, into those space. And I think one thing for um, people to understand, I mean, I think there are cases where people can change overnight in an instant. And I think a lot of us, because we've had these programs running and those negative self-critics for however many years, (laughs) for me, like over 40 years of that Mm -hmm. just running. And you have to 
like I had to have a little bit of kindness with myself and realize like, if I've been doing that for 40 some years, it's not going to change overnight, Charlie. Mm -hmm. Like you do have to cultivate, I think a practice and you have to celebrate when you become aware and you can change those thoughts in the moment. Cause that's what you're really after. Cause the longer you can hold the gratitude, the longer you can hold the positivity, the longer that you can hold the love, the longer you can stay in those, like I say vibrations, mm-hmm. then the more you're going to have them. Right. Yeah. And less you're going to go to the negative default. Um, yeah. Self-talk. But you may do it because of a trigger or something that yeah. comes up and it's like habitual. And I think there's real uh, chemicals that come out yep. from that negativity and the drama, like it feeds you. And for a while, um, I can tell you like in a, in a marriage, in my own marriage, like for a while, that negativity, like that drama, like it, it feeds me. And mm-hmm. so now I'm trying to replace it with new um, experiences and, and new behaviors. And it it's not quite as exciting yet. <laughs> so it, it uh-huh. takes, it takes like almost a repattern, like to repattern it or to, I mean, update your software, however you want to say it, but um, it can be a process. And I think part of it is enjoying the process. Right. And that's mm-hmm. been super um, something that I've had to remind myself a lot about is it's not that destination. It really is about the process that that's where I find the most joy. Um mm-hmm. So I just like to remind people that it doesn't always happen overnight. So be kind. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Cultivating the practice. Yeah. That's where the compassion comes in for and self. <laughs> it's not really a destination. It's a, we're always a work in progress. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah. But don't you? Yes. And I feel like I always wanted it to be a destination. Like, oh, yeah, if I get yeah. here, it will finally be done. Just like with my book. Oh, if I get here, it's done. Uh-huh. done. Yeah. I'm now evolved. I need yeah. no more work. <laughs> the skies will part and sun beam will, will shine then- on your head and you will uh, know that you have arrived. But I, I mean, that's to me, that's why we're we're walking on this blue marble is for the process of yep. becoming and I just want to, so we, as part of the, the process of gratitude, practicing gratitude, being aware of being courageous and acknowledging the, the great things that we are and that we've done, uh, you mentioned that you can get triggered. And one thing that can often trigger a person is past trauma. And we don't need to necessarily get into trauma, but it's a very real real trigger that is, you know, takes a lot of work to not be triggered by that. And here is where I think that it is important to acknowledge the role of being kind to yourself. And I don't know, what would you say to that? So, yeah, I mean, trauma work is, is some of the deepest work. And I think where we do find um, the message that we're here on earth to, to share, I think it is through, and I'm working on something called the C-suite of joy, which is the 11 C's around the boardroom. And so a lot of what we're talking about today, all the words start with C's. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, 
I've been told in marketing that like, if you have three letters with the three words with the same letters, that's like a clever. Uh (laughs) Not sure if you have 11 (laughs) words with the same letter. It's as clever, but um, for me, the C-suite of joy is taking into action, like all these words that we're really talking about. And they all just funny enough, start with C's um, for Uh me, but uh the trauma, I think that is one of the things you have to commit to. And, you know, we are here for contrast in my mind and contrast um, is what makes the human experience exciting, but it also can uh, cause a lot of suffering, right? Like, so we often find what we do want through what we don't want. <laughs> uh-huh. and, um, I would say through experience of trauma, you can often find the gold that you're here to mm-hmm. share with others. And it is a journey. And I have used expressive arts therapy. I've gone to coaching. I've gone to therapy. I've done all the things to mm-hmm. work through through the trauma. I found some really good healing methods for trauma. I think it's a very personal and individual journey to want to go into um trauma and do the mm-hmm. trauma work. And I, I find that the the meditation and, and the spiritual path that I've been on has been a huge part of helping me um, really heal and writing my story. Once I came back to it with the lens of a very spiritual practice and that it was an invitation to share with people uh, hope. And when I came and, and, back to the fact that it was a calling for me. Um, it liberated me from stories that had run my whole life. And I've worked with the, the work of trauma was, you know, it's what happens within (laughs) and it's hard to remember that. And I, I write about it in my book because my husband had cancer and he was, we were young. I, I don't think he was over. I want to say what were we 32 or 33, somewhere around there. And I had, my kids were young at yeah. the time. I had a seven month old and a three-year-old and I was the caregiver and I had a very different experience than him. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to wrap your brain around sometimes that you can live through an experience with somebody, live in the same household, be married, and fundamentally have such a different experience that you can't even see eye to eye on it. Mm -hmm. And in that point too, well, and the point I want to make too, is that I had the experience of the caregiver and he had the experience of the illness, but I wanted to validate my experience and I wanted to be right about my experience so much that I was willing to like go to war with him over the truth of my experience and my perspective. Mm-hmm. And it was so hard to see that his drama within led to a whole different truth than my trauma within. Uh-huh. And I, I think sometimes when we are working with other people or we're around other people and we're, you know, standing for what we believe so much and being so right about it and not paying attention to the fact that, you know, trauma happens within and your experience can be that different from mine. And we Mm -hmm. could have same room at the same time. 
experiencing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I, I look at um, trauma as it, it does often lead to, to the purpose you have here. Uh-huh. And it, I think, as you mentioned, it's a very personal experience. I think that a lot of people right now, just historically, are walking wounded and don't have the time or the energy or the space in their lives to do the contemplative work to realize that they are carrying during the last three years or during, you know, their lives, they have onboarded trauma and it doesn't just stay quiet. Um, It can, but it can come out in a trigger. And I think that if you don't have the ability to do the work, because like you said, it takes work. You don't have the uh, money to work with a professional, whatever the situation is. It's important to be as aware as you can of what you are carrying, what trauma or whatever baggage, whatever your feeling is. Because if it gets triggered, you have to, I feel you have to be able to acknowledge and forgive yourself. It's a real thing. I reacted because of the trauma, past trauma, and I have to forgive myself and move on. Otherwise, it just compounds, I think. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. So trauma is so interesting, and I'm a big somatic person, so I do really think it. we store it in the body, and mm-hmm. I like to be up in my head. <laughs> so yeah. I would like to tell you that intellectually, I understand all this. <laughs> And then the the real thing is, is like, right, getting in, in, in the body and where you've stored it. And trauma is a tricky thing, right? Because people do disassociate. I've disassociated from trauma and then experienced it many years later. And it it is, I think, sometimes you don't even know you have it. And that's the one thing that I think we should be more aware of is that I think a lot of us don't think we're like, we don't have trauma. I didn't Mm -hmm. like do X. So I don't have trauma or I haven't seen X. So I haven't been in trauma and we, we aren't sharing what trauma really is, which is, you know, um, what happens within us when we're experiencing something Mm -hmm. and trauma can be as simple as like somebody that you loved didn't show up when you needed them the most that can Mm -hmm. cause trauma. And so I think we have to share a broader definition for people so that they can see that they've experienced trauma or otherwise it's something out there. That's really, really, really awful. And I didn't experience that. So I don't have trauma. So comparing to other people like, Oh, well it's, I don't have it as bad as so-and-so. And it's like, I get that. And it's what's happening within you when you went through the experience that's important for you. And and so looking at it maybe through that lens, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and not keeping it like some distance out there and oh, I don't I didn't, you know, it's not that bad for me. Yeah. Like, well, you know, 
Um, and I would have said that about my husband having cancer, but that was a real trauma for me. Sure. <laughs> it's like, oh no, it's just something I did. Like I got through it. I just had to plug through it. Like that was mm-hmm. my mentality. Just get through it. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of trauma around it when I, you know, took the time to explore it and work mm-hmm. with it. I think that there's less stigma around trauma, but I think it is still stigmatized. And I think that maybe some people don't want to face the fact that they they've lived through a traumatic event, they had a traumatic experience or whatever. And as a result, they are carrying however you want to to whatever vocabulary you want to use, but it has had a traumatic effect on you and you are carrying trauma that you need to deal with. I think, as you mentioned, you can't just stuff it down and down and down and just think that it's never going to affect you. I believe that it affects you somatically as well. It will show up in all different kinds of ways. The The best way to inoculate yourself against that is just as difficult as it is. I'm going to go back to the beginning of our talk is to have the courage to face it and to trust yourself that you have the strength to deal with, to, to face it and deal with it and hopefully be surrounded or have access to resources to help you because it's very difficult to do. And if you have someone to help you like a great coach or a great therapist, it is extremely helpful. I, I, studied social work. I have had an amazing social worker. And the way that I describe it is someone takes your hand and helps you step outside yourself. And then you examine yourself and this person helps you see, do you see that this that's not right the way that they treated you or whatever it is. It's a very powerful experience. And if you have the the resources to work with someone, it can help with trauma. I don't know. Is there anything you'd like to add on that? Well, no, it's a, it's a beautiful way of um, speaking about it. And it is in a reframing often that, uh, you know, other people can help us by reframing perspective of what mm-hmm. we might be too close to. And then I'll say, you know, I always say in my life, there's been forced surrender when I um, don't do the the work myself. And I know that it can be painful as we go through events. And, and sometimes you just by default don't have the ability to um, like manage the, the emotion and the pain at the moment. So you, you don't come back to it until later. And I think that's sometimes how we have to survive. Um, And if there is any way as, as you, you know, increase your awareness of all this, that you, when something comes up that you can go into it and move through the pain, um, can process it. I think that's super helpful so that it doesn't, continue to store up over and over and over. Yeah. Um, because at some point it it's possible that it gets triggered and um, yeah. You mentioned that you are, if you, this was in the context of courage, but you're saying yes. 
Can you go a little bit more into that? Yeah, I think for me, um, that came up with better boundaries. And I really uh, got into the idea of saying yes. There was two things. I I was speaking with a coach and she told me I should have more yes days (laughs) where Mm -hmm. I say yes to the universe more instead of no so much. And I never heard it kind of like crafted like that. Like, oh, maybe I do say no a lot. Maybe I need to approach yes a little bit more. And that was scary, right? Because as a woman, yes, often was me taking on too much, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. me not having good boundaries because I was always saying yes to this and yes to that and yes to all the things. And what really came up is as you put in better boundaries, as you learn to trust yourself, as you have the courage to be on this journey, you start realizing that you're saying yes to things that like bring you joy. You're saying yes to things that may be uncomfortable, but that you know you want to do that are being led by yourself, not by others. Yeah. And then you start saying no and you get really good at it. Like, no, I, I don't want to miss my lunch. No, mm-hmm. I'm not going to take yes. on the extra project. No, I'm not going to do this for my kids. And and you don't even have to validate your no's. You just mm-hmm. start saying no because it's not bringing you joy. It's not helping you out. It's somebody else telling you what to do. And I'm not saying we don't have to make compromises and relationships. And, you know, I, we, we can go down a whole rabbit hole and you can ask me a lot of questions, but it's more like, it's this idea of how do you show up and say yes to yourself and get better at knowing the things that you want to do to say yes to. And I think that's when you start listening to intuition because these inspired actions seem to just show up and it's like, yes, that's Mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to do. Yes. Yes, That's the person I'm supposed to meet. And then you get good at those moments where you're, no, I don't want to go with that person to that event. I'm tired. I Uh don't have to feel bad about it either. I can just say no. Yeah. It's those boundaries setting, which I think as you trust yourself to make good decisions and you build your trust, you definitely get better at the yes and no's. Yeah. And this is so critical for women. We're not good at drawing boundaries or holding them. We tend to say yes to everything because if you say no, then people are going to think you're the B word, but it's okay to be a little selfish with your own time and to know when, like you said, trust your intuition and know when that is something that is not going to serve you. And that doesn't mean that you only do things that are for your own benefit, but it's okay to say no occasionally and think that some people way to cope to keep out silence because you can't, you aren't ready to sit with yourself in silence is to fill your time with saying yes to everything. I don't know. What is your thought on that? No, I agree with you. And when I talk about burnout to groups, I talk about that because I think is a choice, right? And just like you would budget your money, I think you can budget your time. I think we've gotten into the habit of saying, oh, we don't have enough time or I'm so busy. And, And to your point, I think some of the busyness comes from not wanting to face ourselves mm-hmm. a lot. And I know yeah. in the last couple of years, as I've slowed down my busyness, there were times of boredom and I didn't know how to deal with boredom. 
Yeah. Like I, I haven't ever been in a place where I was just bored. <laughs> like, uh-huh. And then I was embarrassed to tell people I was bored. I'm like, well, what will my friends think of me if I'm like, uh-huh. I'm just bored. I'm like, oh, yeah. Busy. Wow. You're not productive. You're not doing anything in the world today. Like, and, and so we, we can be very hard on ourselves for carving out space for our creativity, for yeah. our meditation, for our uh, what working out or whatever. Um, and I think it's super important to reevaluate and reframe maybe how we think about time and to feel very empowered to know that you know, if it's a priority, we'll do it. So make your time on your calendar where you give yourself some space and I call it put nothing on your calendar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, just give yourself a nothing block. Yep. And and when I've said that out loud to crowds, they're just like, <gasps> yeah, you know, <laughs> like, there's no way. Have you seen my uh-huh. calendar? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and yes, I, I can imagine your calendar is super crowded. And if you really want to prioritize something, you'll find a way to do it. Just like yeah. you know, budgeting. If you really want to prioritize going on a vacation, you'll save in other areas to uh-huh. put money there. I have heard it said that you don't get to loan time. You don't get time back. You only get yep. so much time each day and it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. So make the most out of it. And mm-hmm. I think... When you think about it that way, like you don't get borrowed time tomorrow. You can't go back in time. So all you uh-huh. got is present. It it empowers you to think, well, what do I actually want to do with my time? And some of it in my mind should be space just for yourself and your creativity, your your spiritual practice, however you want to really sit in contemplation or whatever, but time to get to know who you are. So important. And that actually a great segue to my next question, which you spoke at the start of our talk about tools to finding joy. Can you speak to tools to finding joy that you would recommend? Yeah, I think my biggest tool has been um, creativity. And I use creativity as like whether it's journaling, whether it's walking in nature and picking up stuff. So I love the book, The Artist Way. And actually Mm -hmm. that is the book that has kind of led me to the master's program where my thesis is about creativity and joy. And it's all about you know, doing morning pages, which is a real easy exercise of just getting everything out of you. Uh (laughs) Three pages every morning, you don't read it, you just spit it all out, spill it all out on the pages. And and it frees up other space. And then they talk about doing artist dates, which I really like, which is like just going out and doing something with yourself that sparks your creativity. And I I think that really helps reestablish joy because what I found in this last two years, and I kept saying, gosh, I don't have a spark. I'm a dried up sponge. And it's like play and creativity and imagination. Those were all gone. Like, Mm -hmm. frankly, life was tough and it was depressing. And I was kind of, you know, a bummer to be around and I didn't want to laugh a lot. And everything was serious, like really, really Uh serious. And it was like, it's okay. I'm a deep person. I love to be serious, but wow, lighter heart, right? Yeah. <laughs> lighter body. Like, what? It's a lot of heaviness I'm carrying around. 
And it's not super fun to be around (laughs) that Mm -hmm. even for myself. And so meditation has also been um, huge for me as far as a practice and it is a practice. I, Mm -hmm. I do it regularly and I think there's no wrong way to meditate. I would say a lot of Western meditation is more about visualization and letting people like walk you through the magical forest or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, And, and Eastern is more in the mystical kind of side of it and like Mm -hmm. really going inwards. But I think if you can just start anywhere, if you need someone to guide you, if you just need music, I know it's very hard to sit and not have your mind racing. I would also say that it's okay when your mind races too. Yeah to not judge that. So those are some of the, I guess, top things that for me have really helped me with the joy. And I, I'm a learner. I'm curious. So I am constantly reading books. I find other people's memoirs. I find spiritual books. I love self-development. I am that person on the beach reading self-development books. Yeah. Um, so that really does help me a whole lot as far uh-huh. as increasing the joy and those would probably be my top one. And continuing, I think the boundaries as well. I know that doesn't sound like a thing for joy, but putting boundaries, giving yourself the time, like all of these things that we have talked about mm-hmm. are all things I think that help. Absolutely. Joy. So, so critical. And I think that a lot of people are sort of intimidated by meditation because they think that you have to, you know, have a mountain pillow and, and do the ohm and run the beads. You don't a quiet moment where you're just sitting and thinking you can even sit and ponder a really great memory that you had. That is a meditation. It's just being quiet with yourself and your thoughts. Right. And um, the other thing I think that people find intimidating is journaling. Like I have to do it every day. What if I forget? My evenings are busy. I don't want to journal before I go to bed and busy. I can't do it. You know, there's always an excuse. And just it doesn't have to be every day and it doesn't have to be a deep thought. It can just be, you know, something. This is what happened today or I am really grateful for this person today or whatever it is that you can find time to just sit with a thought and put it down. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And I'm a big journaler. I think it helps us celebrate our wins too and shows us where we come from. And Mm -hmm. actually when I was speaking to Lauren the other day, she talked about this um, exercise of really looking back three years and one year and what wasn't in your life and who wasn't in your life and all the things that changed. And sometimes I don't think we can celebrate that that much because it's just day-to-day stuff that we're doing and we don't yeah. see like how amazing it really is and yeah. how the changes and, and how far we've come. But when you journal it, sometimes you can go back and you can be like, wow, yeah, that, that version of me, I have changed so much. Like I've uh-huh. upgraded. Like I'm so much better than yeah. I last year when I wrote all that. And I, I think journaling is so good for leaders too. I know we think of it as some thing that you do as a kid or whatever, it's some extra chore, but think about it in leadership. And if you kept a journal throughout the week about what's going on and you just clear out your mind and space, it makes you a better leader too. And you might not say everything out loud. <laughs> you might just put it on paper and let it be and, yeah. and come up with 
um, a more articulate way to communicate with your team <laughs> when you need yes. to. So I, I think that can also, it's a place to brainstorm and, and just to kind of like free ideas. Cause I think ideas breed ideas yeah. and so getting them out and moving them around and, and writing them down. I mean, it has a way uh-huh. of inspiring new work and new solutions for yourself. And it's just a great way to have an ongoing discussion with yourself. And if you don't do it every day, that's fine. Forgive yourself. But I think that's a great point to look back. Where was I? You know, where was I emotionally a year ago or three years ago and contemplate your growth and your soul quest? And I know if I looked back a year ago, I wouldn't know the amazing Charlie Palumbo. And so for that, I am grateful. And this I would put in my journal. So thank you so much for joining me, Charlie. This has given me so much to think about. I'm going to spend the rest of the day contemplating our talk. And I think that countless women out there that are listening will do the same. Uh, For anyone who is interested in contacting you, maybe about coaching or a speaking engagement, how, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah. So I am really active on LinkedIn. So finding Charlie Palumbo on LinkedIn, easy enough to search. And then my website is www.intentionalleadersllc.com. So they can find me on my website. I'm just writing that down very yeah. quickly. <laughs> not great. Out. <laughs> no, no, no. That's great. Intentionalleaders.com. That's so great. Thank you so much, Charlie. As I mentioned, this is, uh, I'm, I'm taking everything off my schedule for the rest of the day because I'm just <laughs> going to be pondering this. I so appreciate having the chance to talk with you and appreciate all that you do and all that you are. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Thanks, wonderful people, for joining us for today's Women's Empowerment Power Hour with Dr. Jennifer. We air every Friday on Reset for Women Talk Radio at 1 o'clock Pacific and 4 o'clock Eastern. And we would be thrilled if you join us again next week to continue our conversation. If you are interested in improving your professional communication skills to level up at work, you can contact me, Dr. Jennifer, as I would be happy to chat with you about easy tips for upping your game. I am on Instagram at dr.gent. That's D-R period J-E-N-N-T. And that's all for today. Have an empowerful week.